0: All right. Well, we are, as uh, I mentioned, we're going to do a four-week series on worship, uh, beginning today. And today our focus is on praising. And we're going to be considering giving and living and serving. But today we're talking about praising worship as a lifestyle. And uh, the story is told of an elderly Christian man who was a very fine singer. And uh, later in life, he uh, developed cancer of the tongue. And uh, they had to do some major surgery to remove... Uh, major portions of his tongue and as he was being prepped for surgery he asked the doctor one last time he says uh, are are you certain that I'll never sing again and the doctor was sad to tell him I'm sorry but yes you'll you'll never be able to sing again you'll have some voice but very little and uh, the patient uh, asked and said look I'd like to sit up for a moment and he says I've had many good times singing the praises of God and now you tell me I can never sing again I have one song that will be my last It will be of gratitude and praise to God. And there in the doctor's presence, the man sang softly the words of Isaiah, uh, Isaac Watts. I'll praise my maker while I have breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler power. My days of praise shall ne'er be passed. While life and thought and being last or immortality endures. And it's kind of a sad story, but a beautiful story of a man who loved to sing the praises of God and realized that even though he couldn't sing them any longer on the earth, he would sing them forever in the presence of God. As we come to worship today, we uh, ask the question, well, what is worship anyway? And I'm sure if we took the time to do a survey here, we'd have lots of great responses and some very different from others. And it's a good question to ask, you know, what is worship? And really, we're going to be considering that over the next four weeks. And I think and I trust you're going to find that it's probably a lot more than perhaps we've thought of it before. And that it's sometimes we, we put it in a narrow definition, right? I mean, oftentimes in the church, we kind of uh, refer to our singing time, like what we just did as our worship time, right? And that's true. But there's more to it than that, right? It's more than just singing. It's more than just singing the praises of God. We call our musicians sometimes worship leaders, and that's also true. And yet, there's a whole lot more to worship than just singing and and music. And as we think of worship as a lifestyle, we're going to think of it's all encompassing our lives and every aspect of it. If you were to turn to the last verse of the book of Revelation, you would find that the last imperative, the last command that we find in the Bible, in the last verse of the last book, is worship God. And so it's an important thing for us as Christians, as a church, to determine what in fact is worship. How does it affect us? What's it all about? It's a very important study because we're called to worship the Lord. And we're called to praise the Lord and to enter into that. And so it's a good thing. We want to study that today. Well, before we go any farther and get into our text, we're just going to pause for a moment and ask for the Lord's help. Father God, we're so thankful, Lord, that we can worship you freely this morning. Lord, that we can pause to sing your praises. And Lord, we're truly thankful for these songs this morning that remind us, oh God, of your great love and mercy. Lord, of your just, of the wonders of who you are. And Lord, it's just good to be here. It's good to know you. And God, we thank you for that. And so Lord, as we consider worship this morning and over the next few weeks, Lord, we ask for your help. We ask, Lord, that you would teach us and, Lord, you would help us to grow. And we commit our time to you now. We commit the Sunday school to you as well. Ask for your blessing upon the children and the young ones. And, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we come to the English word worship, I mean, we've all probably heard those explanations of worship and uh, attributing worth to someone, and that's, that's a good uh, explanation. But, you know, in our New Testament, there's three Greek words that underlie The word worship and depending on your translation you'll see them, uh, translated as worship and sometimes as a few different things. But the most, uh, the most significant word in the New Testament before we get into our text is proskuneo, which means literally to kiss towards. Kuneo means to kiss, pros, to, or unto. And in the Roman times, right, uh, you might think of when the emperor appeared, right, people would bow before him and either kiss his feet or, or blow kisses to him, basically. It was an act of reverence in the ancient world, and it was, you know, to show homage and to show and to acknowledge publicly that you are greater than I. And so when Caesar showed up, everybody bowed, <laughs> Because to, to not do so might have resulted in some negative consequences, right? But so sometimes worship is forced. Uh, but you know that was the whole point, right? An act of reverence to someone greater by bowing in their presence <clears throat> and kissing them, and that was an act of reverence, an act of worship, if you will. And so worship, you know, was not just a word used for the worship of God, but it's used for the worship of idols, of false gods, and of men like Caesar. But if we want an example of this word, you know, Matthew 28, 9 says, "...Just then Jesus met them and said, Greetings, they came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him." And that's the exact description of what this word means. They they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. They, They kissed towards him, as it were. It's kind of an expression, right? So that's this idea of bowing down before the Lord in worship is certainly encompassed in the word proskuneo, And that's the one that we see the majority of times in the New Testament when we read the word worship in English. The second word is latruel, and we only see that 11 times. And latruel is sometimes uh, translated worship. It's actually more often translated serve or service. Because the idea behind this word is that worship is an act of service, of doing something. And so that's more than just the act of homage and reverence where I bow down, but it's actually kind of the notion that I'm engaging in some kind of service to the one that I am, you know, consider my superior. And so Acts twenty four fourteen, Paul says this, but I admit this to you, I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way which they call a sect, believing everything. I worship the God of my ancestors. Paul is using the word Latreia, which means I serve. And some of your translations might even say, I serve the God of my fathers. But the idea is very closely tied. And the third word, which we see in the New Testament, only used six times, is sebomai. And sebomai has the idea of ritual worship and is often used to relate to pagan worship. And nonetheless, it's used in the relation of worship of God as well. But it has kind of in mind the kind of ritualistic type of things that go on in a worship service. And in Mark 7, 7, Jesus said, they worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands, or the commands of men. They worship me in vain. In other words, they're going through all these religious motions of worship, but uh, these acts, these rites, but it's vanity to me. And that's the word that he's using there. But, but sometimes in our English, we just see the word worship, okay? And these are kind of the words that are behind them. All of these ideas are involved <clears throat> when we think of worship. So we're gonna kinda do what we don't normally do, uh, which is gonna kinda take a cross section of the scriptures. And obviously, you know, when we come to the the topic of worship, we could spend an awful lot of time here because like there's just so much material here that we could draw upon. But I wanna draw upon just a few things and bring three or four key principles to our minds this morning as we think about praising as worship. And I wanna begin in Psalm 1611. In Psalm 1611, uh, it says, You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. And you might say, well, Mark, what's that got to do with praising? Bear with me. In your presence is abundant or fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Speaking of God's. Right? So joy is found in the presence of God. And I think we would have a... A hard time disagreeing with that, okay? In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. There's eternal delight, pure delight. But yet the reality is in life, right? We turn to so many things to find happiness, to find joy, to find fulfillment, right? But we don't find it there. Ultimately, right? Some of these things have value. There's nothing necessarily wrong with them, but we turn to many things, right? And in Jeremiah, you know, the, God warned the prophet that my people have committed, you know, two evils. They've they forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've made themselves wells or cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, they're looking for fulfillment in me, but yet they're going about it all the wrong way. They're digging these foolish and vain and worldly things that cannot satisfy. I am the fountain of living waters, And Jesus is a fountain. And so we find joy in the presence of God. That's a principle that we need to understand, right? And God is light, and He is love, and He is joy. And in His presence, there's no darkness. There's no sorrow. There's no evil. There's nothing there like that. In His presence is pure light, pure holiness, pure joy, pure delight, pure pleasure of the right kind. You know? Not the wrong kind. And why wouldn't we want to be in that place? That's the place I'd like to be. You know, and sometimes on those difficult days, I think to myself, Lord, take me home right now because I know that in your presence is fullness of joy. And that's our eternal rest. And that's where our hope is. And we need that kind of joy in our life, don't we? We need it. We need the joy of the Lord. And Jesus said in John 15, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. The Lord Jesus wants us to have His joy. This is not a bad thing for us to be joyful. He wants us to have it. He's told us His truth that we might enter into the fullness of His joy. So that's something that God wants for us and that doesn't mean we're going to be, you know, happy all the time. There are days of sorrow and yet we can still have the joy of God even in the midst of those sorrowful conditions. Principle number one, there is joy in God's presence. There is joy. In God's presence. <clears throat> Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. In Nehemiah we have a situation where the, the people have been gathered back to the land after many years. The wall has been rebuilt and uh, there was a day on which the law was read to them uh, in public. And after the people heard the law they were convicted by what it said and they began to weep and be very upset. And in Nehemiah 8.10, we're cutting into the story, and uh, Nehemiah says to them, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a time when it's appropriate to be sorrowful before the Lord. And you know, when I'm thinking about my own life sometimes and I'm thinking about the failure and the sin and the brokenness, there's a, there's a proper place for sorrow as I, as I confess my sin to God and say, Lord, forgive me. I've done wrong. But there is also a time and a place where sorrow is not appropriate in God's sight. And this was one of them. This was a day of rejoicing. This was a day that was set, set apart to the Lord. They were to rejoice. And so go eat lots of good food and lots of good drink and share with everyone those who don't have any and be joyful because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we look for that strength in so many places today, right? And again, I'm not against any of these things, but sometimes we put all of our eggs in the raw, in one basket, and we forget about where the true source of strength comes. Right? And so we have our groups that we, our self-help groups, those are fine. We, we look to training, we look to, you know, sometimes internet memes. <laughs> uh, for those of you that are into that, you know what I mean. <clears throat> And those things all have their place. But ultimately, we are weak and only God is strong. And the strength comes from the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so that's principle number two. Principle one is there's joy in the presence of God. Principle number two is the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if we bring those two principles together, what do we find? If we're going to find strength in the joy of God, we're going to find that joy in His presence. That's where it's found. It's not found... Wandering about out there in other places, right? When we bring these together, we see that God's presence is vital for us because we find joy and that joy is our strength and Jesus wants us to experience it to the full. And so we need to be in God's presence. And the reality is that as God's people, if you're here this morning and you know him by faith, then he is with you. Jesus said, I, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so there's a very real sense in which the Lord is always with me. Uh, he never leaves me. He's always present, but I don't always realize that. I don't always acknowledge that. And, and I, I deny that sometimes because of the things that I'm going through. But we need to get into God's presence. And that is where we're going to find our joy. And that's where we're going to find our strength, and Jesus wants us to have it to the full. The reality is, and and I I hate to be the bearer of bad news this morning, but no matter what you think of yourself, you're you're not as strong. I'm sorry, we are flesh, and we are not where the source of strength lies. It does not come from here. It comes from the Lord himself. He is our God. He is our strength. So we have the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's move on then to Psalm 96. And we're going to read the first nine verses. Psalm 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared. Above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. It's it's exuberant, right? There's lots of singing going on here and praises to God and wonderful in the presence of God. And we see that's connected to worship. One more little verse and then we'll we'll tie all this together. In Psalm 33 too, it says, praise the Lord with a lyre, make music to him with a 10 stringed harp. The, the point is, right, is that praise and music, singing and music are part of the worship of God. We know that. Like I said this morning or earlier, we, we often, you know, kind of just think of that as worship and the rest as something else, right? But singing and music are important in the worship of God. They are. And we have many reasons to praise the Lord, right? We, we just do. As we think of all these things here that were listed for us, as we reflect on our lives, we have so many things to be thankful for. So many things to praise God about because our God is great and He has done great things and He will do great things yet. And so we have a reason to praise the Lord, and and we see the importance of singing and music and its connection to worship. And what happens when we sing? Well, I don't know about you, you know, but you're you're in the car, you're in the supermarket somewhere, right? And that old tune from when you were a kid comes on the radio. And what happens? It takes you right back to that place. And you get all sentimental. And it's like, man, those were good days. Can't we go back there? (laughs) You know? I I told my kids. Now, forgive me for this. uh, I apologize. But I told my kids. You see, like, after 1985, there was no good music produced. Anyway, (laughs) sir. That's true? Okay. But, you know, we all of us think about that from our younger generation, or that we just relate to, right? And that music transports us back to a time, a place, something very important. And as we sing to the Lord, it takes us into His presence in that respect. Not that it's somehow, you know, uh, metaphysical, but rather it just takes us emotionally and spiritually there. As we focus our attention on Him, as we get it off of ourselves, off of the world, and onto our God, as we sing His praises, we are transported there. And our focus is taken up with there. And, you know, we're to occupy our minds, the scriptures tell us, with those things which are beautiful and pure and holy and good and right. And we're to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And as we do that, we enter into his presence in a special way. Music and singing has that kind of power uh, in the human soul, Right. And there should be a newness in our songs. The scripture says, let's sing a new song to the Lord, right? And as we that's why there's there's never any end to the songs that are written. Because the experience just keeps growing. And it's just wonderful. And it's just good, right? And there's a newness and a freshness all the time as we grow and mature in the Lord. As we get to know Him more. And those songs just keep coming. And they just keep coming. And there's all kinds of wonderful new songs. Praise the Lord for that. Right? He doesn't want to hear the same old song a million times for 2000 years. He wants some new stuff. Sing a new song to the Lord, right? Cuz we may have only heard it 3400 times, but he's heard it 3 billion times, you know. <laughs> so, sing a new song to the Lord, right? There should be newness and freshness there and praise is so important and the gift of music that God has given to us. I mean, you know, it's it's an incredible thing. You know, music, like it's just it's unbelievable, isn't it? And it has the power to bring people together. Uh, like few mediums do right and so music can be used in a negative sense i get that but it's vital it's used in scripture we're to, we're, we're commanded to use a liar i don't even know what a liar is uh you know <laughs> uh, something with 10 strings my guitar only has six so that's why we have two so now we have 12 you know we meet the requirement you know uh <laughs> but the point is right that 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 instruments can be used and singing can be used and, and we're to worship god with all of those good things it's a gift from god anyway where does music come from from the lord they're singing in heaven, you know. There's all kinds of singing up there all the time. And there's going to be a lot of singing in the future. And we're going to be a part of it. And I, I, that's going to be amazing, I'm sure. It's just going to blow us away to hear the angels singing and praising God continually. Principle number three is we are to sing and make music to God. And that's what we think about, you know, maybe on Sunday mornings as we what we traditionally call worship. It's kind of a praise time, right? It is certainly part of worship, absolutely. But it's praise. That's what we're doing right? We're praising God through song and through music and worshiping him in that respect. So principle three is we are to sing and we are to make music to God. And it's such a good thing. And I'll share a story at the end from my experience. A couple more passages. <clears throat> We're going to skip into the New Testament now. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says this. It says, therefore, through him, Jesus, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess His name. So now we see even in the New Testament, right, the encouragement for God's people to have the praise of God on our tongues, on our mouth, right? It's good we can praise God in our hearts, absolutely. But there's something special about proclaiming it into the open air, right? We are to uh, speak audibly. We are to... Continually be a people of praise. That God's praises are on our tongues and on our lips. And what are we doing when we do that? Well, we're confessing the goodness and the greatness of God. We share with people, right? say, how's it going today, Mark? Oh, great. Why is that? Oh, the Lord's just so good to me. See, I'm just praising the Lord there. I'm ascribing glory to Him and thanks to Him and honor to Him. And that's praising. It's as simple as that. It doesn't mean I have to go out there on the corner and sing Amazing Grace. I can just share, right? Hey, God is good. Amen? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) sorry i couldn't resist when i was i was sharing with jc when i was down in louisiana a few weeks ago we were at these meetings and it was just a a wonderful time Uh, the messages were great but in the in the south uh you know people are a little more audible than we are and you might remember when we had pastor daryl here right he was kind of encouraging us to say amen well they not only say amen they say come on and they, they, they yell it right out. So when the preacher says something they agree with, they go, come on, come on, you know. <laughs> and it's really cool. I love it. So anyway, I apologize for that. <laughs> but, you know, praising God audibly with our lips, right? We're to be a people of praise and we can share how the Lord has blessed us and it's to be a component of our lives. And, you know, there are days of sorrow. There are. There's days of mourning. There's days of loss. And we don't maybe feel so joyful, right? And yet... The joy of the Lord is still present with us as we enter into his presence. And so the apostles, right, when they were in the prison and their feet were in the stocks and they had been beaten, they could sing God's praises. They still had the joy of the Lord, even though they were suffering. I'm sure they weren't happy. They weren't saying, oh, it's so awesome to be beaten today and have my feet in stocks. But you know what? They could say, you know what? We did that. We suffered that today because we belong to Jesus. And that's OK. We're going to suffer that for his name. And we can, therefore, we can praise the Lord, even though this is a very difficult situation. You know, Job, right? If you know the story of Job, right? It's a very difficult passage of scripture, right? But Job lost his entire family, all of his children in one day. They were all killed. And when Job heard the news, this is what he did. He stood up, he tore his robe, and he shaved his head. That's acts of of sorrow. He fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so even in the midst of that great loss, and he was very sorrowful, he ripped his clothes, he shaved his head. He still would, he still praised the Lord. You see, he still gave glory to God. And, and we can find that joy even in those days of mourning and in those days of sorrow, as difficult as that may be. First Peter two nine says this, but you, the church, our chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's the verse that was tying in with what Tony shared earlier. God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, and we're called to be a people of praise to proclaim that good news all around us. The church is to praise. That's one of the reasons we come together for corporate worship, as we call it. It's important. Yes, you can praise God in the privacy of your own home. Absolutely, you can. But there is something special when the Lord's people gather together, and he's called us to do that. He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's something special when the people of God come together, and we praise God corporately, and we declare to one another and to all who might visit the the praises of God. And that's a good thing. And the Lord calls us to that. He's called us into marvelous light. That's part of the reason why we are saved and why we're in the church. And when we compare where we were to where we are now, how can we not praise? Right? How can we not praise our Lord? And we're fulfilling God's purpose for us. We have reason to sing. And you know, and when we sing to the Lord, we want to do that from our heart. And we want to do that with enthusiasm and with truth and with reality and with a sense of you know just i mean because you know when when people who don't know the lord see us doing that it's a powerful testimony and you know i've heard many people say hmm you guys actually like believe this stuff you actually like are joyful about it you actually like seem to like really be into it yeah that's right. It's not just a religious exercise where we go once a week just to sing a couple of hymns. Get it over with. No, it's a living relationship, and we are truly praising God from our hearts. It's our response to Him, and so we want to sing. How can we help but not do that? Right. You know, and then we can. Those of us who are old enough, who are married, or have boyfriends and girlfriends, can remember back. Right. When you're dating someone, or you're, you're you know, and you're, you're madly in love. What do you, what, you know, what do you do? You're writing them letters, you're writing them poems, you're saying all kinds of nice stuff to them all the time. Why? Because you love them. And so you're praising them and building them up and expressing that love, right? It's the same thing with God. It's not fake. It's not just a religious exercise. It is the real response of a heart that has been taken out of darkness into light. That's what it is. And we're called to that. And so principle number four is that praise is to be a regular part of our life, both individually and corporately. Because it's a good thing. There's few things like praise which help us to enter into God's presence. And it it takes us out of that other spot into a very good place as we focus on the Lord, as we remind ourselves and one another again of how good the Lord is. It's very important the apostles praised God in the midst of suffering and they found joy and they found strength. And when we praise the Lord through singing and, our, and music, our hearts become fixed on Him. And not on ourselves. And I've sometimes been driving in the car and having a tough time. It's like, okay, I've got to turn on some praise and worship here. And when, as I do that, and I begin to sing those songs, I'm now focused in the right place. It takes me there. And as we enter God's presence, He lifts up our feet and plants them on the rock. And we find joy. And from that we find strength. And that's why... Praise is so vital for us as the Lord's people. I used to think as a younger Christian that it was secondary, that it was of no significance. And I even remember going to the elders of my church saying, why do we have to even sing at all? Just get rid of that and let's just hear the word preached. And I've come to realize that singing and praising God is equally as important as the preaching of the word. Preaching of the word is vital. And so is praising God. You can't raise one above the other. They're vital for our Christian experience. And we need more than just the word of God preached in our ear. We need to be praising the Lord and finding strength in the joy of his presence. It's an important part of worship, but it's not the only aspect of worship as we're going to see. And it should be continuous. But here's something else I want to say about praise and worship this morning. That sometimes you might hear people say, and with good intention, right, that praise is 100% about God. And there's a sense in which that's true. Praise is definitely, worship is definitely directed towards God. He is the object of our faith and our worship. And yet praise is absolutely about man as well. No question about that. It's God and man. And as we worship the Lord, and it's a response of a transformed heart and life. And that pleases the Lord. Right. It's no different than if somebody walked up to you today and paid off your mortgage on your behalf, what would you do? Thank you you wouldn't say eh, right you wouldn't do that and that's what we're doing to God right it's a response of a heart of gratitude and love to our God who has saved us and God calls us into worship and to praise because he knows that even though it's, it's thanksgiving directed towards him it's going to result in our joy and our strength and beloved it is vital for our Christian experience And we need to be a a people of praise and worship. And I would encourage you, you know, even when we're in those difficult days and those tough spots, right? We need to enter into the presence of God. Sometimes through the word, through prayer, through praise and worship. And there we will find strength. And we desperately need that strength today to carry on. And we don't want to go about our life in a dry way. But we want to find the joy and the strength of the Lord through worship. And I've found that myself. As I said to you, there was a time when I really undervalued singing. I thought it was foolishness and a waste of time in the church, if you can imagine such a thing, but I was young and foolish. And, uh, but you know, uh, over the years, the Lord has just taught me so many different things. And, and I remember, you know, about eight years ago, I was going through an extremely difficult time in the family and it was just uh, heartbreaking for me. And, um, you know, I would spend time in the car, just bawling my eyes out over this, you know, stressing over it. And, and it was in those times, right, when I would turn on that Christian music And I would raise my hand to the Lord in the quietness of that car, driving down a highway, some of the closest times I've ever had with the Lord, just entering into his presence and letting him minister to my soul and being reminded again that no matter what we face, that there's joy and strength with the Lord, that he cares, that he knows, that he loves, that he can do more than we can ever hope or think. And just the importance of entering into worship, to praising God through song, through music. And finding our joy and our strength there. It's good. It's good. And so now I, I view, uh, you know, we we don't take our music at this church lightly because of that. You know, like, we use, uh, uh just to give you a little background, I mean, we pray over that and we try to pick, you know, music that's appropriate to the message that's going to be it's just not random. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. I mean, we have a preaching plan that we use, and Bethany has that, and so she's always looking at the scriptures and the messages to try and bring that together because we, that's that's an important part of worship. Uh, equally so is the Word. And we want that to complement and to you know lead us into worship through the music. And so it's so vital. So the, the joy of the Lord is found in His presence, and that's where that joy is our strength. And we are to be a people of praise. So I'm just going to end here. We're a little bit over time. That's okay with Psalm 150, the first six verses. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes